I was just thinking about uh, this passage in, uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 61. There we go. And, uh, yeah, oops. <laughs> That's what I do. That, it, that really is what I do. Uh, you know, you just kind of walk in what, what God puts on you to do. And that's what I do. And it's what Jesus did. Because that's what Isaiah 61 says. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. When Jesus arrived at his hometown and he just pulled out the word in his very first little word after he was went through, he was baptized and he was, uh, I mean, in the wilderness. I mean, the first thing that he did is that he pulled out Isaiah 61. And he laid out his job description. And that's what he does. So anytime we're dealing with areas that bring freedom, we're doing what Jesus did. You know the difference between a captive and a prisoner? Well, a prisoner is usually there because, well, you deserve what you got, okay? You, you know the words, you did it, and you're getting the result of it. But a lot of times a captive... It's like I'm in, I find myself in bondage not because of what I did, but, but because of what somebody else did. And, of course, the good news is Jesus comes to release us and break us free, regardless if it's our fault or somebody else's fault, regardless of how we find ourselves in captivity. He's the one who sets us free. You know, there are laws of nature that we cannot violate. Even though you might would like to, but you cannot. Because they are universally binding. It's like the law of gravity. You, you, can't, you can't stop it. You can't, you, you can't, you're not, you're, you're bound to the law of gravity. As much as you, you probably wish you weren't. Because sometimes that gravity kind of pushes on our bones and stuff like that. <laughs> but there's all kinds of laws in nature that we're bound to because they're universally binding. And in the spirit realm, there are laws as well that we're bound to because they're universally binding. And you are, you're bound to these laws and you cannot help it. One of these laws is... It's, it's known by several names. One is called the law of the harvest, or it's the law of sowing and reaping, or the law of return. All basically the, the same laws. And in this law, it applies both to the positive and to the negative. It implies basic, applies to both of those areas. And if we understand this law of the harvest, this law of sowing and reaping, the law of return, and you understand the ways of the kingdom, then you actually activate the things of the kingdom into your life into a greater degree. But if you do not understand this law, 
it could actually put you into places of bondage. See, in the law of the harvest, it starts off that we, we reap what we sow. The nature of what we sow is, is basically what we're going to reap. We're going to reap what we sow. You plant corn, you get corn. You don't get green beans. You get exactly what you plant. And, uh, and, and, and really, you need to understand this, that, that the way that God designed, not, not only did we reap what we sow, but we reap more than we sow. I mean, when you plant corn, you don't get just one kernel back up. I mean, you get several ears of corn with hundreds of kernels on each ear. And so understand the way that God designed the kingdom, he, he designed us in such a way that we would come into increase. God wants to bring us into increase. And that's the ways of the kingdom. It's going to have increase. We understand this principle, even like even with the giving. You know, a lot of people don't understand, why, why should I give 10%? And I said, well, first of all, that just covers and you protects you. From the enemy stealing you blind. But also we've learned it, and my, many of you can testify this. You know, when I've given over and above, when I've given even sacrificially, God has brought a return and provided for us. I mean, when my wife and I moved up to, up to Washington State back in 1982, I mean, we, we moved to a church of 12 people. Did not even know if we are going to have any kind of a salary made a decision God didn't want her to work. We focused upon the church. And it's like God met every need. It's like the people of Israel, you know, the clothes didn't wear out. I mean, we, we've all got these testimonies of God's supernatural provision, but we learned how to be good givers in order to, to, to experience that kind of return. There's also the, the law of the harvest that you reap later than you sow because you don't, you don't just plant the corn and go, okay, this is what you grow. Ooh, there it goes. Like, you know, by the end of the day, we should have a harvest. No, it's going, there's going to be a period of time. There's going to be a, a lagging of time in the process there. You're going to reap later than you sow. It's not going to happen immediately. And some of us get impatient whenever we're sowing to the kingdom, and it's not coming back when we think it should be coming back. Because we don't always know the times and the seasons in which way God is doing things. We don't understand that the longer we wait, the, 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 the greater the increments of gain that we will be experiencing. But some people, because they, when they sow to the flesh, because they do not immediately experience the effects of that, they feel like they got away with it. It doesn't apply to me. Of course, there's another passage of Scripture that addresses that. It happens to be Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, and it says this, Do not be deceived. In other words, if you think you're getting away with it, you are just fooling yourself. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Like God's going to, you, you can't violate the law of the harvest and think you're going to get away with it, but just because it's not coming when you think it should be coming, it's, it will happen. You cannot stop it. It is more powerful than you. 
you also need to understand that the realm, which is the genuine real realm, is actually the spirit realm. As it's, it's the realm that you see, but it's also the spirit realm which you do not see. You see partially. You cannot see into true reality right at this moment. You see in the natural, but the spirit is just as real as the natural realm. It is It is something you're bound to. Now, if your understanding of this realm can also facilitate you living into, the, into a greater fullness, into greater life, but your ignorance of this realm can also take you out and lead you into places of bondage. And not only bring you into that, but could also even bring other people into that. Now to get to our topic. That's just the foundation. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, he says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. <laughs> what he's saying here is that if, if a root of bitterness as it comes up, can, can really defile other people. Not just defile ourselves, but it can actually defile other people because here again, there's, there's that, you, that principle, that, that law that you cannot escape, the law of sowing and reaping. It is inevitable. It will happen. And so there are some things that we can do that can defile others, and in that defiling can actually cause them to act in ways that they normally can resist but can't. You see, the way that it's supposed to work is that when people get around me, people should be stronger, people should be better, people should be coming more into their into their destiny just because they associate with this. But sometimes it's actually the opposite things that are happening. People are struggling. I mean, we just need maybe do a little bit of self-reflection here. I mean, just look around you and look at your life. Look, look at your, you know, your relationships, your spouse, your family, those who are close. I mean, are they better or are they stronger because they are associating with me? Or not. <laughs> See, one of the things that happens is that whenever, whenever we have these bitter roots, the thing that really it does, it, it causes us to make judgments. And really, that's the, probably the biggest problem there because when judgments are coming out, that's really what's coming back to you. Jesus, he said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the, the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And then to go on with these, these, these next three verses here, you know, uh, you can read them. But basically he is saying this, you know, you, why are you trying to dig out the two? 
I mean, the, the speck in somebody else's eye when you got a two-by-four in yours. I mean, you, you're, you're trying to dig out that speck. You're not even looking, man. You've got a big old log in your own eye. <laughs> then he uses that word hypocrite. Ooh. Take care of your own two-by-four first, and then you can actually see very clearly to take something out of somebody else's eye. In other words, we're always quickly to say something about somebody else, and we're not very quick to say something or really to, to look at ourselves. But today is going to be a day that you really should kind of start with yourself. And if, you, and if you're good, then you're good. I, it, it's, I'm just quoting Jesus, okay? I'm just delivering the mail today, all right? That's kind of what, what he says. So really the issues is about judging, not we need to understand what judging is. Judging is about me giving a final verdict on another person like a judge would. And judgment, you know, judgment is not saying that they didn't do something. It's not saying that you didn't seek it, see it accurately. It's not saying that, that it didn't happen. Judgment is not really, you know, doing that as much as judgment happens to be passing a verdict on a person's character or their motives. It's like this. John stole some money. John is a thief. Now, the thing is, you see, the thief part is the judgment. The activity, he stole something. Okay, well, he did steal something. Is he a thief? I don't know if he's a thief by nature or not. All I know is that it's not my job to pass that kind of judgment. That's actually God is the only one who can actually render righteous judgment. I can basically address the activity in what he did. He stole. That was wrong. And I can address John that, John, you stole. You, you know, you shouldn't do that. And basically address that. But, I, but to put a label on him, that's not my job to put labels on people. In a culture of honor, the only way we see people is through the labels of heaven. In other words, people are always acting not according to who they are. Sometimes they're acting according to how they see themselves or how other people have put a label upon themselves. But a culture of heaven sees people as God sees them, looks at their labels, and and. And, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're, we, it's not our job to, to put that kind of a judgment upon people, and that's really what he's addressing right here. But then, it, you know, just reemphasize that verse 2 again to go back to that. With the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you in the same area, in the same regard. You are bound to this law of the harvest. It will come back to you. We, we like to use, and, and it's not going to be on the screen, but Matthew, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Remember that one there? We always look, especially right before the offering, because it is a principle of the kingdom. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. Yeah, oh, yeah, man, we got the offering going. Oh, we're passing that one. But, you know, the context of that was not about the offering. It actually was about judging. 
So in other words, when judgment is coming out of you, guess what is coming back on you? And when it comes back on you, it's not coming back on you just a little bit. It's coming back on you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, pouring into your lap. I mean, if somebody walks around going, man, I feel like people are always judging me. It's like, well, who have you been judging? The longer a judgment stays unrepented of and undealt with, the greater the increments of gain that it comes. You sow a spark and you get a forest fire. Or like Hosea chapter 8 verse 7 says, you sow to the wind and you get a whirlwind. <laughs> it's, just, it's just in the word, okay? I'm just what I'm saying. So how does it come back to you? Well, let me give you about three ways that things, that things, the way, three ways that people, or you get affected. Number one, the people, what will happen, the people around you will become or will begin to act out what you judged. Cindy Jacobs, some of you are familiar with her, the prophetess, she, basically, she said this. She, she tells a story when she was younger in her life and her husband was working for American Airlines and she had, you know, young kids and everything. She, he comes home one day and he says, hey, I've made a decision. He said, we're, we're going we're we're to pack up everything. I'm going to quit my job. I'm gonna, we're going to get my master's and I'm, we're just going to pack everything up and, and then we're going to move on and I'm going to work with my master's. She said, you never wanted your masters. I, I just changed my mind. I'm going to do that. She goes, we never talked about this. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm going, we're going to do this. You're going to disrupt our whole lives if you do this. He goes, well, I'm just going to do this. And he would not listen to reason. And, 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 and then, you know, the next day, now she's mad. And she's mad at God, and she's mad at her husband. She goes, ah. Hey, God, what's wrong? You know, what's this problem? She's complaining to God, complaining about her husband. And then the Lord brings back a memory in her life when she was very, very young. Her dad, who was a pastor, didn't explain what was going on. And one night, they packed up everything in their family and left the next morning. Now, you can guess what happened if you're the pastor and that happened to you. You were run out of town. And so she made a judgment. The men in my life, they just take, I have no control. They make decisions, and I'm just subject to these decisions that they make that just mess up my life. And, she, and the Lord just brought that back. She goes, oh, no. I sowed with my father, and I'm reaping with my husband. She forgave her father, released him of that judgment that she had made. And the next day, or the, that, that afternoon, her husband Mike comes home. He's as happy as he can be. She's like, I'm waiting for him to kind of give me some more information. Finally, she said, so what's happening? Did you quit your job? He goes, oh, no, I changed my mind. I don't know what happened. Something during the day, I just changed my mind. Something was shifted in the spirit realm. 
We're not, we're not talking about just unforgiveness here. We're talking about something that has been a seed that has been sown that has not been dealt with, a judgment that has been made, and it's coming back to you in ways that you didn't realize it would come back to you. John and Paul Sanford in their book on the transformation of the inner man tells a story about a couple they were ministering to who... Well, the, the guy, when he was growing up, he had a really tough mom. I mean, she was really a rough gal who basically never took care of them, uh, didn't meet their needs. And uh, she had her own hurts and her own wounds, and all she did was think about herself. And she actually medicated on food and became obese. And, he, of course, you know, he was making those judgments against her. The woman that he married, she wasn't obese. She was just fine. But after two or three kids, you know what happens, you know, she couldn't get it off of the weight off. And, and all. then he became very critical of her. And he was very, very critical just on her all the time, which pushed her buttons. Because when she grew up, she had a dad who was always critical of her that, that she could never please. And so what happened... His judgment basically became fulfilled in his wife, and her judgments basically became fulfilled in her husband. They're actually dealing with this particular topic. And when they brought everything up and they began, to, they made a decision, we're going to cut down that, that dividing wall. We're no longer going to say to you, you know, who you should be and begin to let God deal with their own hurts and their wounds, and everything actually came back into order, in the, even in their own lives. So the first way that it affects us is that the people around us either become or act out what we have judged. The second thing that happens is that you simply become what you judged. It's like, it's like the man whose father was, a, was, was abusive or could have been an alcoholic. And, and you know, he had a whole life of, of a really just a dysfunctional father in his life and, a, and very hurtful and, and the offenses stacked up. He had legitimate needs that were never met. And so what he did, you know, he vowed, I would never be that. I will never do that. And then finds himself as he gets old becoming the very same thing that he had judged or it could be like the, you know, the the woman whose mother was a screamer. I mean, she she was. I mean, she was always yelling and always screaming, and and you know, she and she was offended and hurt and wounded by all of that. And 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 and, and when she gets, she said, "When I get old, I am never. I'm never going to be a screamer. I'm never going to be a yeller." And then she has two or three young kids, and becomes who she said she would never be. There is a sowing and a reaping. Or maybe you had controlling parents. Maybe it might have been like a mom or a dad. could have been both. And they just like controlled your life. They just, they, and they're like every increment. They're like you couldn't hardly do anything because they're always controlling this. They're always giving you advice. They're always telling you to do this, to do that, even the small things. Even when you get older, they're, they're still doing that stuff. And you just get offended at that. In fact, it just, it just irritates you and makes you so angry because they just control every detail. And then you find out that you have simply become 
controlling yourself. Does this feel familiar to any of you? <laughs> it's the law of return. You see, the law of return was designed to bring you into blessing. That's what it's, 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 that's what it's designed for. That's why in Luke 6, earlier in that passage there, you know, he would say that he would say, bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. You know, you cannot even obey that verse if you don't have enemies. Right? I mean, you should thank God you have enemies sometimes. Thank God, look, I'm, I, gotta, I, I can obey that verse now. So when blessing comes out of you, blessing comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. You get more coming back to you than what's sent out. And see, the enemy, what he wants you to do, he wants you to curse. All right, you know, if that guy's cursing me, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back and I'm just, I'm just going to bring that back, back to him, but then that's going to come back to, to him. I have a pastor, a friend of mine, who's, who was running for political office. Like, I don't know why any pastor would want to do that. But he just wanted to get involved in this community, so he's running for an office in the city, and uh, he didn't win. But the problem is, is that he, he found himself in the midst of all of this political spirit and all this political stuff on the outside, and, and then people were judging him, and people were cursing him, because he was a pastor, and then all of a sudden they're saying, you know, you, you have no business running for office, you have, you have none of that, and all of a sudden he got, he got a little defensive here, you know, I can do what I want to do, I'm the pastor, and he began to quote some things and why he should, and, and then, but he, he did not respond to the to the negativity with the blessing there, he actually got offended and said even a few things, even when he shouldn't have said it from his pulpit. And then it just got worse. I mean, even after he lost it, the election, things kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And we, I sat down with him one day and I said, you know, I've been studying a lot about this bitter root judgment. I mean, I've been really going into this thing, and and I think you've kind of made some of those things because of what other people did. And he was like, well, yeah, maybe I did. And, I was, and he had one guy that was really a strong antagonist. Well, two weeks ago, he sat down with coffee with this guy after a couple of meetings to straighten everything out speaking life into him, blessing him. I know you love the Lord, and he really does. But what happened, he had activated something that was coming back to him. It will happen. You cannot violate the law of the harvest. It, it, it is more powerful than you. God is not going to be mocked. It will. It will come. And by it, you will either experience reward or you will experience punishment. But you will experience something here because it is universally binding here. 
Let me give you another passage. I know you go, oh, no, another one. Yes, another one. It's not too bad one. This is, this is 1 Corinthians 7, 14. 1 Corinthians 7, 14. And actually, uh, I'm not going to just read the whole verse. You can kind of look at the whole verse. Of, that's by, by, I just want to make the, the point here where, that the unbelieving spouse is actually sanctified by the believing one. You know, it talks about the unbelieving husband, the unbelieving wife. You know, they are sanctified by the believing partner. Which basically brings up this point, that what is going on in one per person can actually affect another person. And in this case, it happens to be a good thing. In this particular case, in other words, because I am holy, because I am righteous, because of who I am in the Lord, I actually shift the atmosphere in my home, and I actually put that upon my spouse. This is why the believing spouse needs to have the attitude, the heart, that whenever they come into the house, into the, to the home, I'm actually shifting the atmosphere in my house to the glory of heaven. If they come in thinking, oh, no, this person is doing it to me. This person is they're sliming me with their darkness. But, you know, the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, in the, new, in the Old Covenant, you stayed away from the lepers because you got leprosy. But in the New Covenant, you go touch the lepers and they're healed. This is the difference between the Old and the New. So in the New, I don't, I don't, I don't have to stay away from the darkness as much because everywhere I go, I, I'm, I am the light. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said to his, to his disciples. Not only was he the light, but he said, you are the light of the world. So I bring it and I shift the atmosphere. But it's all, you know, but am I cooperating with God to do that? Sandy Jacobson, I read, I'm quoting her because I, I actually just, when I started to do some research on this, I came across the whole thing that she did on this particular topic. And she told story after story after story about her having these bitter root judgments that she dealt with there. But she, she told the story of a friend of hers who basically, when she was meeting with her, she said, you know, my husband, he's not saved, doesn't want to be saved. And, and basically she was blasting her husband. He wants nothing to do with God. And, she go, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to Cindy. She goes, she said, this is a bitter root judgment. And so she says, you know, what you're doing, you're, you're cursing this guy. So she, you're going to have to forgive this guy. You're going to have to forgive yourself. I mean, she, I mean she, she walked her through the process of releasing those judgments. And she said, you know what happened? The next week, that guy gave his life to Jesus. What we carry impacts the people around us. That's just a biblical illustration that, that, that that's true. And even if they continue to act according to the flesh, because you can't make people do what you want them to do, you still impose upon them an atmosphere of transformation. Giving them an invitation to be transformed themselves as you extend grace to them. 
So the ways that impact us, number one, is that the people around us become or act out what we judge, or secondly, we become what we judge. But, you know, the other thing is, is that maybe we didn't do anything at all. Maybe I'm just connected with somebody who's got bitter root judgments. Maybe I'm finding myself being slimed by what somebody else is carrying. But also, I find myself being bound by that because I don't know what to do with it. I can't get out of this particular thing. I don't know how to counteract it. So sometimes we find ourselves being on the receiving end, not by something that we have, but what somebody else has that we just happen to be really close to. You can stop that. I mean, I, I recognize, and probably Galen's got his own stories. You know, as a pastor, we've become the brunt of everybody's authority issue, father issue. <laughs> and the, and those, all, those all come with expectations and judgments. And I've learned that basically, because I, I can feel those coming from people, I've, I've learned in the spirit room I can actually cut those things off. So I know I no longer feel compelled to bend to their expectations. Not all pastors do that, and they become people pleasers. And that's what happens with some people. They become people pleasers because they feel those expectations, and they act out on those expectations. They've not learned to resist that and break that off. Well, I know up up to this point we're going. Oh no, this is this just doesn't sound that good, you know. It, it mean, so far to this point, it looks it looks pretty grim here, you know. I'm 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 kind of learning that maybe what what I'm carrying happens to be sliming everybody else around me, or and I'm sliming myself, and or or or, or maybe I'm becoming what I've just judged, or maybe or maybe you know I'm just being just receiving what somebody else has problems and issues with. But there is good news. You can get out of the endless loop because the, the law of mercy and grace overcomes judgment. That is the good news. The cross of Jesus comes with enough power to break everything off, every curse off, and actually can even address the sowing and the reaping the reaping of the sowing if we learn how to confess and to repent. There is no cheap grace. There was a price that was paid. It was a costly price. The pain that Jesus bore in his body, the anguish that he experienced on the way to the cross and at the cross was a heavy, heavy, heavy price that was paid. And the full cost of reaping what has been sowed was fulfilled by what Jesus did. The law of the harvest, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of return, it is universally binding. You are bound by that particular law. But Jesus, 
fulfilled the law, became a curse on our behalf, as it says in, in Galatians, and, and I think it's Galatians 3.13, and, and he took upon himself the punishment that we were due. Having been brutally beaten and nailed to the cross, the price was paid in full. And all of that we deserved, the punishment that we deserved because of our sin was fully paid for by what Jesus did. It was paid in full because mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the good news. It's freedom. See, you can be free from any judgments that have come out to you that are now returning to you. You can be free from any judgments that others have made that you're reaping. It's all bought and paid for. All the stuff that's come out of you to, de to defile somebody else, you can cancel that. You can remove that. We read the passage in Isaiah 61. It's found in Luke chapter 4. It's what Jesus came to do. But it's not automatic. You have to activate it and do your part. I mean, it's like a person is still going to go to hell until they receive his provision, right? I mean, it's like everybody has the provision. It's, it's like you jump out of a plane and you have a parachute. Having the provision doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to activate it. You have to do something to activate it. I mean, Jesus, he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins so we can spend eternity with him and be forgiven and become this new creature. You have the parachute, but if you don't pull the cord, you're still going to go, it's still not going to turn out good for you. Jesus has made the provision, but you have to activate it. And the way we activate his provision it's going to be some confession and it's going to be some repentance on our part. And whenever we do that, we activate the provision that he has made in our behalf. His mercy is available. It covers us in a moment when we activate it with confession and repentance. We can be free. The law of the harvest that is so powerful that you cannot resist it. You cannot stop it. You think, I'm strong enough. No, I can do this. No, I'm telling you, you are not. You are lying to yourself. You are deceiving yourself. We read that verse in the very beginning. Don't deceive yourselves, guys. You're fooling yourselves. You cannot resist this. This will happen. This, you don't, in the spirit realm, you don't have a whole lot of control over that. So it is going to happen. Act, either, either angels are going to be activated or demons are going to be activated. But I'm telling you, you release things in that realm. But the cross dealt every bitter root judgment a death blow, rendering it powerless. 
Now, I know I, 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 I preach a message like that and like this, and some people are going, well, you know, I don't, I think, I don't, think, it's, I don't think it's my problem. That's got to be theirs. That's why he's doing it. And, and that could be true. I understand that, that, that not everybody has this issue. But, but you know, it, it, one of the things that the Lord has basically been putting upon me is, is that he, God would like to do a move, but we need to be positioned to sustain a move if he does it. You know, every move of God simply was not, it, it, they didn't stop. Because God stopped, they stopped because man stopped. And one of the things, man, man's stuff gets in there. God's trying to position us to keep going for his move. I mean, we got that expectancy thing going on here. And, and we're going <laughs> to, we're all in. And all of a sudden, we sabotage ourselves. No, we have to understand the way that God orchestrated the ways of the Spirit so that we can actually come into the increase with the sowing and reaping. But we also need to take out all the negative stuff that what has happened. Now, in that passage in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it talks about a root of bitterness. Now, you don't see roots. He didn't say lop off a branch. And in fact, those things, you don't even know they're there until they spring up. It's, it's, like, it's like you see you see a tree going up, and you go, okay, that did not come from a seed. There's an elm tree here. That 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 came from a root. <laughs> that is springing up from a root. So in other words, we oftentimes have blind spots. We don't even know we have them until something pops up. And then it pops up, bang, people get defiled. So sometimes we have to look at things that have been popping up. <laughs> and you go, okay, and that's, pop, that's springing up as it says, okay, there's a root there that we have to deal with. <laughs> and you know what? Jesus is really good about exposing the roots. Even when we can't, Jesus can. In the ways of the kingdom, as I said this earlier, in the ways of the kingdom of God, when people become associated with us, they should be experiencing the fullness of what we carry. They should be becoming bigger, better, stronger, capable, coming into their destiny, coming into what God created on planet Earth to walk in, just because they're associated with you. And if you're finding it, that's not happening in my life. Well, th this is the time that mercy is available to us to do some inter looking into ourselves and say, God, what are you trying to say to me today so that we can reverse this trend? Because that's, that's what he's doing in the now. So what do we do? 
What are some of the practical things? Well, you might start off by just kind of sitting down, you and the Lord, just having a little time together, and make a list. Here are all the people I think I have bitter judgments against, or I've made these bitter judgments. And you, you might even want to include yourself in that. Like, don't forget yourself in that list. <laughs> And then ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, I, I know I have, I have roots that probably I don't even see now. So could you just expose these things? Maybe, maybe even help my friends kind of speak into my life at, with what I don't see. And then we're going to take these things, we're going to take them to God, and we're going to let him disable these things. Sometimes we probably need to pull a friend next to us. I mean, James 5.16 says that when we confess our sins one with another, we, you know, we're healed. So sometimes it's easier to have somebody with us, and sometimes it's just us and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's just whatever the Lord is, is putting on you to do. And then get very specific about these areas. So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to break off, in a generic fashion, bitter roots, whether you need to or not. Because I'm not going to say everybody who needs to do that stand, because then a lot of you are not going to stand when you should be standing. So we're going to do this together, whether you need to or not. So why don't you stand? And I'm going to have you just repeat after me. Say, Father, forgive me for standing in your place as judge. I lay down my self-imposed responsibility to judge the heart, the motives, the intentions, in the actions of people. I repent for my pride that is evident when I'm critical or have judgmental thoughts. Forgive me for judging others and expose it when I have a log in my own eye. Forgive me for the bitter root judgments that I've made Or, or thought, or spoken against others. I renounce and break the judgments I've made. Jesus, I ask you to remove from those I've slimed the entanglements, the bondages of judgments, and bless them. I lay all of the consequences of the judgments I've sowed at the feet of Jesus to be removed by the blood of Jesus. I take back the ground that I've given over to bitterness. Jesus, I ask you to remove all residue of bitterness in my life. I break the curse of judgments, 
off of my bloodline and set me and my descendants free from those consequences. I take authority over all curses and judgments that came against me from others. I cancel those assignments and I return a blessing on those that those assignments came from. Fill me, Jesus, with your love and compassion. And thank you, Jesus, that nothing is impossible for you. Now, I want you just to stay right there, just with your eyes closed, and just receive. And Lord, I ask you right now, would you just begin to release your washing, cleansing power? Lord, you said in your word in 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just, not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us so that we will feel clean, not just know it in our head, but we will experience the full washing of your word to set your people free and to remove all residue, remove every single part of dirt and grime, shame and slime. Wash it off us. Cleanse us completely. Thank you that freedom is our birthright in you. It belongs to us. For freedom, you set us free. Liberty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you, as you spend time with the Lord, and he brings some things up specifically, just go to YouTube or whatever and pull this message up and just go all the way to the end of it, to the prayer. (laughs) And begin just to go through that over and over again. He's good about bringing stuff up. So if you've got condemnation coming on you, like, oh, there's something there, there's something there. Okay, that is, that's condemnation. Let the Holy, he's good about revealing what needs to be revealed. And just focus on you first, okay? Let's go for the two by four. <laughs>